Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is brought to you by BasketballNews.com. This is episode number 29, and we're back to posting weekly episodes again, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this so you don't miss any of the new episodes. Today, I'm joined by a 15-year NBA veteran who currently plays for the San Antonio Spurs. Last year, he was the NBA's Hustle Award winner. My guest is the great Thaddeus Young. Thad, thanks for joining me. How are you? Doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to pick your brain. Uh, I, I want to start with this. You've played in 1,048 NBA games, which means there's only 109 players in NBA history who have played more games than you. You're also a 15-year veteran who's coming off one of the most productive seasons of your career. What are the keys to having that kind of longevity in the NBA? Uh, I would probably say just you know um, taking care of your body and not getting injured, uh, which is the you know, the, the typical stuff, but uh, also just understanding who you are as a player, uh, understanding like how to go out there and actually, uh, you know, play in basketball games and uh, be able to sustain. And uh, over the course of time, just being consistent. I think that was, that's been one of the biggest things about me. I've been super consistent throughout my whole career. Um, you look at my stats on down the line, you know, they're pretty much the same. They're pretty much identical every single year. So, um, just staying super consistent and just making sure that, you know, you're taking care of your body and you're doing the right things and uh, and trying to, you know, make sure you stay on the court as opposed to staying in the training room. Speaking of your stats, there's a famous graphic that lists the only players in NBA history to average your career stats, 13.5. That, that graphic is so terrible. <laughs> it is it is wildly specific, but it is so impressive though to see those stats over 800 games. Like you're in crazy company. It's for people that haven't seen it. It's you, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird. And I see what you're saying, and people joke about it because the stats are so specific. But to be one of those five players, I mean, what was your first reaction when you saw that graphic and the company that you're in? Uh, I really didn't think too much about it. Um, you know, people make graphics and and do different things or uh, comparable stats all the time so um you know for me you know i'm you know i just continue to just go with the flow and just continue to play basketball uh, i don't really worry too much about graphics or anything else that comes behind it you know it's just more so just you know um the longevity and you know, make sure that i'm staying consistent throughout the course of time you know uh, and just making sure that i'm able to bring something to the game each and every night I know some players have a certain number of years they want to play before they retire. Like they have a goal of playing 20 seasons or something like that. Have you given any thought to how long you want to continue playing? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Um, you know, I mean, there's been times where, you know, um, you know, I, I've said, you know, I, you know, this might be it or, or stuff like that, but, um, 
you know, I, I wouldn't put a specific number on it just because, like, I'm still able to go out there and play at a, a super high level and uh, with a, a level of cons- consistency throughout the time. So, you know, for me, you know, it, it's just a matter of just getting minutes. If I get a certain amount of minutes and I'm able to be consistent or stay as consistent as I've been in years just with that time. Um, you know, so far this season, I haven't really played as much as uh, as I played in the past. Uh, but, you know, with the time that I have been given, I've been productive during that time, um, you know, going out there and playing. So uh, I think it's just a matter of just, you know, if I'm I'm getting a certain amount of minutes or I'm, I'm able to play a certain amount of minutes a game, you know, then I, I feel like I can continue to be consistent, you know, as consistent as I've been in years, you know, um, you know, um, you know, for for many, more, many more years to come. How tough is that? Because like I mentioned, you know, last year was one of the most productive years of your career. You you were contributing on both ends. You were, you know, the winner of the NBA's Hustle Award. You know, uh, to go from that to not being able to play as much as you would have liked, how tough is that? Uh, it's super tough. It's, uh, it's, it's very tough and frustrating at times. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I understand where, you know, um, this franchise is going, understand what's happening. So, you know, um, you know, the young guys have to play, you know, and, you know, whatever happens, happens uh you know it's just a matter of just trusting in, in my faith and trusting in my craft and trusting in you know the time that i put into the game each and every day i mean you know i'm you know a 15-year veteran i'm still you know one of the last to lead the gym you know putting in a lot of time and a lot of work still showing up early and playing and if i'm not playing minutes in the game then i have to figure out some type of way to stay in shape so you know doing my after the game conditioning um, also as well, you know, showing up early for three-on-three sessions. I'm not supposed to be playing those three-on-three sessions because, you know, I'm a vet, you know, but, you know, in order to stay in shape, I have to do something. So, you know, playing in three-on-three sessions with the younger guys and some of the coaches and, you know, just trying to, you know, continue to keep my feel for the game and continue to, you know, um, you know, keep that, that timing. You mentioned this first team being younger, you know, 11 guys on the team that are 25 or younger as, you know, one of the veterans on the team, one of the leaders, what advice are you trying to share with those young guys and, and what are some things you're trying to teach them? Uh, just, you know, um, having that level of consistency. I think that's one of the, you know, the topics that's going to continue to be with me, just a, a level of consistency. Just uh, make sure you bring the same thing, the same output that coach is asking of you uh, every single game. You know, if you can you can figure that level of consistency out over the course of time, it's going to, you know, put you into a situation where you're going to have a long career, um, you know, and, and you, you can potentially play longer than I have. So, you know, um, level of consistency, just making sure that you you come in, you're putting in work each and every day. Um, you know, even when it's, a, it's supposed to be days off, going into the gym and putting up extra shots or, you know, going into the gym, getting some extra conditioning and just uh, understanding that, you know, we're basketball players, so – you know, just because somebody says, hey, you know, don't come to the gym today doesn't mean we don't have to go. You know, so just understanding that, you know, um, there's always work to be done and that, you know, if you don't do the work somebody else is and they're going to take food off your table. So you, you got to make sure you're putting, it all, putting in that time. So what's it like being, you know, 33 years old on a team with so many younger players? I've been around NBA locker rooms and I've seen, you know, there's a, sometimes <laughs> a big gap where, you know, if you're older, you have a family and you're at a different phase of life than these young guys that are, you know, 20, 21 years old. What is that like being 33 in this locker room? Uh, I mean, you know, sometimes you do feel like, you know, you're playing with some kids, <laughs> you know, but uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, just understanding, you know, where you are and where they are, um, you know, it, I don't think it's hard to relate, you know, because, you know, we're all basketball players. You know, um, the, I think the biggest difference is that I'm older and I have a family and that, 
Uh, a lot of the guys on the team haven't hasn't hit that stage yet. So, you know, but it was a point in time where I was younger and I didn't have a have a family and stuff like that where I was, you know, more, you know, um, you know, able to kind of relate to those guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's all basketball. It's all about basketball. It's all it's all about coming in and, and making sure that we're all getting getting the same work in and make sure that we're we're doing things uh, to grow together as a team and you know, I think that's the main focus there each and every day. One thing that I've heard about this next generation, you know, younger players today is that they don't play as much pickup. They just kind of prefer to do drills and get a workout in. Uh, and the only five on five they want to really play in are actual games that are on the schedule. Like Jamal Crawford and some other veteran players have told me that uh, they've seen that in the offseason. They've been surprised by it. Uh, is that something that you've noticed, not even just with the Spurs team, but just with young players in general that you've been around that they don't play as much pickup? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, it's more like right now the league is is uh, really really focused on um, you know recovery, you know making sure guys are, are recovered for games because at the end of the day, you know guys are, are paid to play in games and guys are paid to show up to games. So you know all the stuff outside of outside of the games, it you know it matters, but it doesn't matter in the aspect of you know you're trying to make sure a guy's 100% for the games and not 100% for practice. So. But, you know, at the end of the day, we are doing things that we need to do in practice, you know, which is coming in. We might watch film. We might, you know, get shots up. You know, um, you know we might do a few drills and stuff like that. But, yeah, um, you know, it, it, we want to get to the summer. You know, I haven't seen you know, a lot of guys starting to play pickup, playing pickup as much in the summer as they used to. A lot of guys are just drilling and, you know, um, you know, doing a lot of uh, conditioning and stuff. But, you know, they might play a few pickup games, but nothing crazy like, you know, not every day. You know, um, I used to, I remember when I was younger, you know, it was always you drill, skills, all that in the morning, and then you come back in the evening and you play playing pickup. You know, and you play pickup for three, four hours. You know, so I, I remember those days, and that's not happening as much anymore. You know, a lot of guys are, are really, really working on their craft as far as from a skills perspective as opposed to, um, you know, working on your craft through actual pickup games against actual players. Some of the trainers I've talked to and like Jamal, I mentioned, they feel like that is, you know, potentially going to hurt the league because there are certain things you can learn from pickup that maybe some of the younger players won't get uh, because they are so focused on drills and they're not, you know, be learning how to improv and, and, you know, have those moves that can kind of translate to games because you do, do them in pickup and the off season too, you mentioned you'd play three, four hours of pickup and, and some of those gyms like impact basketball or, you know, the runs at UCLA, there's some great pickup and it would really help guys yeah. develop their game. Do you think that, uh, you know, if it, if it were you, do you think those guys could benefit from the pickup or do you think the way that they're doing it is going to help them long-term? I guess, which, which side do you fall on? Uh, I fall on the side that, that likes to play pickup. Um, you know, um, obviously like I'm now I'm older, so I don't play as much sure. uh, pickup as I, as I used to, um, you know, for the simple fact of like, I don't want to wear myself out before a season, but you know, when I was younger, you know, I would be on that side that's playing more pickup because that's how I actually learned how to, how to make reads, how to actually, you know, um, you know, Pick, a, pick apart defenses and, you know, how to actually score the basketball, those different ways, how what ways are I'm going to be able to score. Um, you know, now, you know, with, with drills, you know, everybody in drills are taught to score the basketball. So you see guys literally every single possession trying to score the basketball. And, you know, um, you, know you have some guys that can, that can actually think the game out, but you have some guys that their mindset is just score, 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 score. And, you know, um, 
know, and, and you know, that's the type of league we play in now. You know, the, the league is at a, a different a different phase now than when I first came in. I've been through several different phases of the league where, you know, um, when I first came in, the first phase was, you know, um, uh, everything was uh, predicated on having a solid big man. You play inside out. And then, you know, we went from that to you had to have a dominant um, swing man. Uh, so dominant, you know, uh, uh, small forward or uh, mm-hmm. or uh, or shooting guard that can really uh, really do a lot of different things with the basketball and really score the basketball and kind of on it like like uh, be a major focus on the court every single time um, and then kind of shifted towards now you know it's a it's a guards game you know um, guard a guards game and uh, a, a space to court game so. You know, um, your fours are shooting threes and your fives are now shooting threes. Like, you know, you have, you know, um, five-man lineups where it's all smalls, you know. So, you know, it, it, the game has changed and, and has has kind of went to a whole different phase, you know, within my 15 years in, in the NBA. Um, and it's, it's changed, I'll probably say, in like four-year spans. Every four years, it's a, it's a, a new wave of players and a, a, new, a new way of uh, playing basketball. And, you know, I think everybody's kind of chasing, you know, what Golden State had built and what they had did, you know, during during the time where they were just winning constant championships. You know, um, you know everybody's trying to figure out how they can be the next Golden State. And I think that's what's kind of gotten everybody uh, into this whole, you know, let's play five smalls, let's space the court, let's run and, and, and shoot up a lot of threes. Let's, you know, the, but, you know, the, the difference between all those teams and Golden State, Golden State actually – picks you apart off backdoor cuts and reads and, you know, they've been playing this way for years. So they understand how to actually win basketball games. They understand how to do certain things. And, you know, um, I think that's the part that's missing from a lot of the teams that's trying to do all this running and gunning. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a copycat league, uh, but that's where like as a player, you have to be able to adapt. And I think you've done a great job of that. Um, As I mentioned, you won the NBA's Hustle Award last year. And unlike other honors that are voted on by the media or your peers, this award is determined by a formula that factors in all the different hustle stats. So you won it because, you know, you led all players in charges uh, per minute, loose balls per minute. Uh, you know, while also ranking you know near the top in box outs, deflections. What did winning that award mean to you? Uh, I mean, it just embodied, uh, you know, everything that I'm all about, you know, which is uh, continuous hustle, continuous uh, output to, you know, helping my team in a position to win basketball games uh, and doing all the small things, all the things that don't really show up on the stat sheet. Um, you know, I've always been one of those guys my whole career, uh, just, you know, a guy who, you know, you don't have to run a play for it, to, but he'll still go out there and get you, you know, anywhere between 10 and 15 and, you know, anywhere between 6 to 10 rebounds. Um, you know, and, you know, anywhere between, you know, two to five, six assists, you know, a couple steals, some blocks, you know, take some charges, like just, you know, going, you know, try to lock his man down defensively and make every shot, tough shots, uh, contesting, like just all across the board. You know, I, I, I've always tried to, you know, not just play, you know, the the right way, but also play a, a, a complete game of where I've filled up the stat sheet in every single category. So, you know, I, I think that it definitely embodies who I am as a player and, and what I what I do as a player and what I bring to each and every team. Since you are known as someone who constantly hustles and gives 100% every night, does it frustrate you when you see players taking plays off and not putting in that effort? Uh, I mean, 
I think it, it just depends on if I'm playing with that player or not. Like if he's that's on true. my team, <laughs> if he's that's on true. my team, then that's a, that, then that's slightly different. Um, you know, but you know, guys are gonna take plays off. Guys are, are not always gonna be, you know, built for the same thing that I'm built for. Built for the same thing somebody else is built for. So, you know, you you have to understand. You know, you know, it's certain guys they're gonna do what they do. Um, you know, you have to understand what you're going to get when you're walking out there on the court. Um, and I, I understand that with all of my teammates, you know, I, I take time to analyze every single guy on the roster to understand how I can work with him and how he can work with me and how we can work together. So, you know, I, I think that's one of the biggest things, just understanding who you're playing with. Um, but, you know, to answer your question, if, you know, guys are taking players off then and he's on my team, then, yeah, I'm going to be pissed off because at the end of the day, we need everybody's full output. For sure. Over the offseason, you were traded to San Antonio as part of the DeMar DeRozan sign and trade deal. How did you learn about that trade and, and did it catch you off guard at all? <laughs> yes, uh, definitely caught me off guard. Um, you know, um, you know, I was uh, I actually learned about it in the parking lot at uh, Sports Academy um, mm. in uh, Frisco, Texas. I was leaving leaving a session and, um, you know, I, I, my phone was going crazy and then uh, I seen DeMar DeRozan got traded to Chicago, and then I was like, "Like, why is my phone going crazy for this? So then I I dive a little deeper into it and see that the trade included me, Alvin Rudamino, and was picks and stuff like that. So, you know, um, you know definitely caught me off guard uh, for the simple fact of, like, I had just talked to um, my agent, and my agent had just talked to, you know, everybody in Chicago and and – we were being told that, you know, I was coming back, you know, so, mm. so basically, and then like they guaranteed my salary like the day before or two days before or something like that. And then, and then, you know, used it as trade bait. So, you know, it is what it is. It happens. It's yeah. part of the business, but, you know, um, you know, but the only thing I had wished was I had got the heads up before I found out, you know, from, you know, social, you know, cause that, yeah, that's-, that's the part, that's the part where, you know, I'm I'm gathering, I'm getting ready to gather my family up and getting ready to get everybody situated to come back to Chicago. And then, you know, um, like if I had signed another lease in Chicago, then I've been stuck into a lease <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Or you know, and and trying to figure out how to get out of it. You know, or, or you know, if I'd have moved my family up there and was coming back early, you know, because my kids had to go to school, then that'd have been wasted money and wasted time that I had. You know, I had to do do certain things. The good thing was I was I was still at home, you know, and I was able to kind of still maneuver through. It was still in the summer. And uh and uh but you know, like I said, I would rather have found out from them, you know, firsthand as opposed to, you know, uh me finding out through social. For sure. Yeah, that's never ideal. Um I actually last year, whenever you were still on the Bulls, we had talked and and I, we had talked about how I thought, you know, I think you can fit with just about any team in the NBA, you know, given your style of play, your versatility, your impact on and off the floor. Uh, pretty much every team could use a Thaddeus Young on and off the court. You know, you, you can impact the locker room as a leader, as a mentor. I think that's part of the reason why your name pops up in trade rumors so often. So on one hand, I'm sure that's frustrating. But on the other hand, you know, it, it can be somewhat flattering. But do you think that's why you're so highly coveted? Because you can fit with so many different teams and you can help on and off the court. Do you think that's part of the reason why that, you know, your name tends to pop up in rumors? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the, the one thing I've, you know, prided myself on is, uh, 
just continuing to be professional and making sure that, you know, if I'm a part of a team, I'm a part of that team. You know, I'm I'm not, you know, one foot in or one foot out. You know, if I if I'm putting on that jersey and they're paying me and they're and and they put their trust in, in me, then you know, I'm I'm making sure I'm there for them. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things. But you know, um, and then, you know, whatever happens with me is is what's happening with me. Like right now this situation is not ideal for me. I've never been in a situation where I, you know, had to play, had to settle for four and six minutes a game. You know, so my my shit is my is my shit. So uh, I wouldn't put that on my teammates. You know, that that's something that, you know, I have to deal with. So I, I try to control what I can control and focus on what I can focus on. You know, when I do get the time or when I when I am out there on the court with those guys, um, ultimate goal is, you know, to continue to, to remain focused on, you know, um, what I can do, you know, and whatever happens, happens at that point. You know, so um, I I just got to go out there and just continue to just focus in and lock in, you know. But, uh, you know, the one thing I can say is, you know, that, you know, I've always remained professional and, you know, um, for me, you know, um, to always be in trade rumors or anything like that. It just says that, you know, there's a lot of interest from a lot of teams and, and that team see what I'm doing. They see and understand who I am as a player. Um, you know, they see that, you know, I'm, I'm always locked in. They see that I'm always going to be a help and never a nuisance. Um, they see that, you know, I'm always going to be, you know, a, a, a key asset to a team. You know, I might not always be the main piece, but, I'm one of the most important pieces and, and and valuable pieces that you can have. Yeah, and I respect that approach too. Like you're saying, just staying professional and not letting it affect your teammates. I think that's all you can do. And like you said, you know, continuing to work hard, play three on three, stay late in the gym. Like I think that's every team's dream. Uh, that's kind of what they want in a player. So it makes sense why you know there's so, so many teams want you. Um, have you had conversations with the Spurs about since you mentioned it's not ideal the as far as the playing time and all that? Like, what are the, have you had any conversations with the Spurs or has your camp or is this something that you're just kind of hoping it improves or, or how, what's that situation like? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, um, you know, the young guys, they have to play, they're going to play, they're going to be here. Um, you know, so, you know, have had conversations with them about, you know, playing time and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, like I said, the, we're going into a, a situation or a rebuild situation where guys, younger guys have to play. And, you know, I understand that. So, you know, for me, you know, you know, I'm, you know, whenever I'm I'm able to go out there and play, I'm gonna go out there and play. It. I'm just gonna control what I can control. But at, at the end of the day, like I don't make the the decisions on who plays and who doesn't. So, you know, um, for me, it's just it's just about controlling what I can, what I can control at that point in time. One thing that you and I talked about last year was uh, how you had become a mentor and it kind of helped Zach Levine with his development, kind of teaching him or talking to him about when to take over games with his scoring versus when to focus on facilitating, kind of just being there for him as he you know, took the next step in his career. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of how far Zach has come and the player that he is today? Man, uh, super proud of him, you know, just for the, the simple fact of like he's He's taken everything that I've tried to help him with and he's incorporated into his game. But uh, also he's continued to get better as a player and as a leader as a, and as a guy that, you know, a team could rely on each and every day. Um, you know, I'm super happy for all of his success. You know, you know, we still talk all the time. That's, that's my little brother. So, you know, um, you know, we, we always have conversations about different things, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, family or basketball or it's just us just shooting shit on the phone, you know, um, 
you know, we always have those conversations. So, you know, but as far as like his game, you know, Zach has always been, you know, a, a, a tremendous athlete, you know, amazing player, you know, but, you know, he, he needed to have that two-way side to him, you know, and I see him now playing defense, you know, being a two-way player, he's uh, going out there, he's being a leader, you know, telling guys where to go and how to, and what he, what they need to do in order to win. Like he's able to still to start being vocal now, you know, so, you know, I think those things have, you know, that I, that, you know, I was instilling in him or trying to instill in him has helped and has done really well for him. You know, Zach is going to do well regardless. You know, Zach is who he is. He's a, one of the best scorers in his league and he's going to continue to do that. You know, but, you know, all the best scorers still need, you know, some type of help or, or they need a few things to, you know, get them over the top. You know, and I, I was, you know, very, very happy that, you know, I was able to help him for those couple of years that I did play with him. Whenever I saw that you got traded to San Antonio, because I knew that story about Zach and kind of how you mentored him, my first thought was that this is going to be great for DeJounte Murray. You know, he's a special talent. He's having a breakout year now. Uh, and I thought you could be a great mentor for him as well. You know, what are your thoughts on his development and what he's showing? And and have you kind of uh, tried to mentor uh, him as well? Uh, I wouldn't say like, well, I wouldn't say I try to like mentor like anybody. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know I, I'll probably say is I try to be there for them. Like I try to be a good teammate. Uh, I try to make sure that, you know, if they need somebody to talk to that I'm able to, you know, talk to them and, you know, uh, give them reasoning on some of the things that they, they don't see, you know, they don't, they see as a problem, you know, um, you know, with, with DJ, you know, uh, you know, he's been great all season long. Um, he's continued to to grow as a player and not just this season, but every single season that I've seen him play. Um, but, you know, I think this season is special to him because I think this is like the first real season where like he's really, really had to kind of like take over and he's really had um, to to have the ball in his hands majority of the time. You know, before that, I think he, he had, you know, Patty, you had Rudy, you had DeMar, you had, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tony, Marcus. you know, you know, you know, you had all those guys before him. You know, so all those guys were, you know, having the ball in his hands and he was waiting his turn and he was learning from those guys and he's done a hell of a job in learning from them. So now you, you see, you know, what you can get out of somebody who's, you know, been in the league six, seven years and, and you know, has gotten a lot of experience through learning from, you know, some real solid vets, you know, and he's really going out there and input and outputting that every single night for us, you know, um, you know, yeah, he's going to have his bumps and he's going to have his, his bruises. But at the end of the day, you know, he's somebody that we can rely on, you know, to be our engine, you know, to our car. So, you know, and that's what I tell him, you know, before we start every game, you know, be that engine. Just continue mm-hmm. to be that engine, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, if we win or lose games, it's going he's going to be a big part of it. I have one more basketball question for you. Then I want to ask you about some of the stuff doing in the business space like reform ventures and all that um right now the yeah. ben simmons situation in philly is the biggest storyline in the nba we've seen a number of top picks struggle in philly you know simmons uh carson wentz markel fultz uh i'm curious since you spent seven seasons playing in philly what was your experience like there and and how does it compare to other cities that you've played in man i mean i think i think that's one of the cities that kind of like turned me into like who i am today you know um you know, Philly has that, that blue collar mentality. So, you know, they love players that, you know, that, that play hard every single night. That's going to be tough. That's going to continue to battle, you know, no matter what's happening, you know, always going to be there for his teammates. You know, and, you know, I think that, 
that's what made me kind of like a you know um, you know a well like guy in Philly because I you know I always played hard you know I always brought that that hard hat mentality to each and every game you know um, you knew you could rely on me to be consistent every single night you know um, you know um, there's been times where you know they booed us and we were still playing hard I was still playing hard I know at least <laughs> you know and <laughs> yeah. just understanding just understanding like what type of town that you're in, I think. And if you embody that and you embrace them, they'll embrace you as well. And I think, uh, you know, um, you know, the situation that's going on there is that, you know, um, you know, you know, with, with what's going on, you know, they, that's something that they just have to figure out, you know, you know, and I, I think they should figure it out sooner or later because, yeah. because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you, you have a whole franchise to worry about, you know, um, you have players, you know, that you have to get locked into to what's going on. But, um, you know, you also have a player that, you know, um, has his own issues and has his own focus. You know, so it's, I think it's a matter of just communication and just talking it out between them, you know, and then just trying to figure it out on their own. But, you know, um, you know Philly's a, a rough city. It's a, it's a tough city to play for, um, you know, but, you know, you have to have tough skin as well, you know, because, you know, with – playing basketball in any city or state or that you're going to play in or any gym you walk in, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be saying something about you. So, you know, you just have to be prepared and focused for, you know, what you can do as a player and, and go out there and continue to try your all and give your best. Yeah, but you make a good point. The fans in Philly are going to love the a player that wins the Hustle Award, like, you know, years <laughs> later. Like, the game, your game matches the, the fan base there, so it makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, so off the court, as I mentioned, you're doing more and more in the business space. What can you tell me about Reform Ventures and what you're building there? Uh, I mean, it's a, a, a venture company, uh, essentially a family office, my own family office that, you know, I have, you know, two investment analysis guys, uh, a retained legal team and a fund manager. Um, you know, and we invest into, you know, startups and technology companies on down the line in uh, different sectors. Uh, we've been doing some some really really cool stuff you know as far as like getting into some really really inv- good investments but also being able to help our partners and and the people that we invest with you know get into some other deals or you know uh, merge with some other companies and stuff like that you know so it's been really good so far uh, we've had you know several exits over the course of you know this five-year period so it's been really good for us um uh, we're continuing to build and grow but uh i think the biggest thing is just continuing to uh, connect with you know, different VC firms and different people and different angels and different syndicates, you know, and that's been really putting us in a really good position to to really build a, a solid foundation for what's to come with what we're doing. How did you first get introduced to, you know, that world of business and investing? And for, when did you first become interested in that? Uh, I'd probably say like six or seven years ago uh, when I made my first investment into this company called Climate. Um, you know, it was... Uh, you know, I had to, I figured out early that, you know, these are risky investments. So I wanted to kind of mitigate my risk. And so what I started doing was uh, I took a different approach than most people take. Uh, my approach has shifted from like early stage investing to uh, later stage investing. And because I, I wanted to get some small wins to be able to mitigate the risk of me putting a lot of my money into it. So I, I got some small wins. I was, you know, you know, a couple multiples on, on on top of my money and I was able to reallocate those funds to some growth and early stage opportunities that's done really well and that's continuing to build and grow. Um, so it really put put us in a position to, to really, um, you know, kind of bridge the gap 
you know, um, with what's going on, you know, with culture, but also uh, put us in a, a really good position to build a, a really solid foundation with a lot of different partners and some big VC firms and uh, some big syndications that's, that's really put some checks behind some, some really good companies. That's awesome. Yeah, I did an article a few years ago about how a lot of younger NBA players hadn't really thought about investing or, you know, doing a whole lot of stuff off the court as far as like in the business space. But then they saw guys like LeBron, KD, Andre Iguodala, now yourself, like they saw kind of what the vets were doing and they and they suddenly started learning, asking questions. And now a lot of those guys are, are interested as well. What business advice or investment advice would you give to younger players who are interested in this, but maybe don't know much about that space? Uh, don't be afraid to spend a few bucks to to get the expertise and knowledge, um, because the one thing for sure, you know, if you you spend it on the front end, uh, you'll save yourself a lot on the back end. You know, save yourself a lot of heartache on the back end. You know, um, you know that was the one thing that I had to figure out. You know, was you know if I didn't know something, to go and find somebody who did know something about it, or find the expertise and knowledge around, and put them as close as possible to me. In my team, so we can be able to make uh, well-educated decisions on whether we want to make investments or not, and um, and that's what I did. You know, I just kind of put together a really solid team. Um, you know, my business manager, uh, who's actually a family member of mine, uh, she's a developer by trade, but she has an MIT degree. Um, so I was able to, you know, kind of, you know, um, put her in a place to where you know she can you know, vet some of these deals for me as well as, uh, you know, found two investment analysis guys. One solely looks at real estate and another solely looks at startups and tech, tech companies. Um, and his, uh, his parents and, uh, the people, some of the people in his family, they have like, a uh, 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 technology background, uh, mm. specializing in like cybersecurity and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I was able to kind of, you know, get him locked down. And then, you know, another guy, he solely looks at real estate deals for us. He's had, he's got years and years of experience as well as my fund manager. She, she has years and years of experience in development as well. Um, and then uh, having a retained legal team that I was already, already had for like some of the stuff that I had going on uh, with some of the other investments that I was doing in like the real estate space. Uh, just them being able to look over contracts and understanding how to look over these uh, these uh, term sheets and uh, you know these safe notes and convertible notes and stuff like that. So, you know, um, and then just learning myself, like like when when we have uh, due diligence calls or founder calls, I'm on those calls and I'm you mm-hmm. know asking asking my own questions and forming my own due diligence packs and you know looking at investment analysis reports, you know, with my team and we're going through them together and. And I'm able to, you know, take some of these calls by, my, my, by myself now, you know, where, you know, I can ask all the questions that I need to form my own investment analysis report to give to them so they can, you know, follow up with questions that they may have. So, you know, I'm, I'm able to really get on the phone and speak that lingo now. So I think that's one of the biggest things, just understanding, you know, um, how to kind of dive into the space, but understand that you have to learn a lot about the space in order to get into it. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Uh, That's really exciting. Whenever I talked to Kevin Durant about it, he kind of said the same thing. Like in the beginning, he just surrounded himself with smart people who were experts in, you know, whatever they were. Like you said, he had a real estate guy. He had, you know, different people and kind of surrounded himself with those experts. And then over time, kind of learned on his own, like you're saying. So Mm -hmm. that's amazing, man. Well, congrats. Uh, Reform Ventures. Very cool. Um, I appreciate you taking time to join me, man. Uh, Appreciate you doing this. Uh, 
good luck with the rest of your season. And uh, thanks for your time, man. Yep. Thank you. If anyone wants to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for listening.